Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leah, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 295. This time around, you're joined by phenomenal actor Gracie Gillum. At time of release, her Shudder original Superhost comes to VOD, digital, DVD, and Blu-ray February 1st. Hear all about her passion for alien resurrection, the horror genre, and a mind-blowing look at her incredible work therein, from Fright Night to Adam Egypt Mortimer's Some Kind of Hate, and much more. Take a look into the magic of Brandon Christensen's awesomely fun superhost. She reveals the process of creating the iconic character of Rebecca, delivering one of the most memorable and talked about performances in years. That's Gracie Gillum on episode 295, and it starts right now. What's up, guys? My name is Teddy. I'm Claire, and welcome to another episode of Superhost. We are staying in the most gorgeous home up in the mountains. So quiet here. This super host, who's the name Betty Lou 52, has a nearly spotless record. It's actually Rebecca. Oh, so you're neither Betty nor Lou. <laughs> What's up, guys? What's up, guys? What's up, guys? You think you come out this far to get away from all those crazy people, but then you get to this house and you realize that the host might be even crazier than those people you left behind. Well, I don't want to get in the way of your trip. Wouldn't want to get a bad review. <laughs> That is the craziest shit I've ever seen. We gotta get more of her. Okay, I uh, roll camera. Hi, my name is Rebecca. This is what people wanna see. And I am a super host. Complete lunatics. <laughs> this woman, Rebecca, she said that she was the host of this place, but she's not. We have one final surprise for you that I think you're going to love. If anyone's out there watching, please, please help us. Please stop! Think of all the hits you'll get. Look at her. She's harmless. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a multi-talented actor who really is quite an enigma each role as diverse as the next tapping into so much variety in performances that she absolutely fades into every character she's portrayed fearlessly to see her do her thing is to watch someone surrender themselves to story letting their talent and intuition guide them making her fascinating to watch after graduating high school her debut was in the saturn nominated the nine lives of chloe king for abc family that same year her debut feature 2011's retelling of fright night alongside the wonderful late anton yelkin colin farrell david tennant and tony collette she joined the cast of the 37-time award-winning vampire diaries she's appeared on supernatural then it was off to disney where she not only stole the show singing and dancing in the mega hit teen beach movie franchise the second highest rated movie in television history 
but became a Billboard charting music artist. Then she goes off and does a number of inventive and unique indie horror features with some of the most compelling creators in the genre. Paul Solid's Dark Summer, Tales of Halloween, Adam Egypt Mortimer's Fierce, Some Kind of Hate, Ryan Murphy's Critics' Choice winning Scream Queens, and Sci-Fi Z Nation, among many more. Her latest project is the three-time award-winning Shutter Original Superhost, written and directed by Brandon Christensen. It's available on VOD, digital, DVD, and Blu-ray February 1st. It's about two travel vloggers who end up staying at the home of Superhost, Rebecca, giving them an experience you will never forget. We welcome the unforgettable Gracie Gillum. Yeah! I feel like I'm hot red. That was, that was quite an introduction. <laughs> well, the amount of stuff, again, that you've done and the variety yeah. is seriously exceptional. And... Again, when you kind of look back at this body of work that your incredible talent has unlocked and these rich characters that you've helped create for us, what do you attribute that journey to? What is that internal compass that you think informs you all these different decisions you've made along the way? I think, first of all, um, I end up doing projects that are the kind of things I want to watch. That's not necessarily what I set out to do. I think just my passion kind of telegraphs and that's what I end up doing. So I'm like an actor who can say that I'm really proud of everything I've done. Like, I really like the stuff I've been in. Um, Some of it, like Supernatural, I got just because the casting director knew how much I loved it and like, let me stay late and quickly learn that audition because it was auditioning in a week. I was going to be out of town. (laughs) I kept being like, we should get you on Glee. And I'm like, Supernatural, Robert, get me on Supernatural. (laughs) But yeah, I um, I don't know. I, I really get excited about character. And so if if um, a character that I really am passionate about comes across my lap, it's just it ends up kind of working out. I'm really grateful for all of the many different weirdos I've gotten to play. Well, let's talk a little bit just about horror movies in general. You've done so many great things in this genre. Superhost just being the very tip of the iceberg. Talk about your relationship to horror as a viewer. I started watching horror at an inappropriately young age. My dad showed me the pit and the pendulum. I don't know. I might've been five or something um, deeply haunted by it, but obsessed with it. Always wanted to re- like morbidly fascinated, I guess. I never really stopped being morbidly fascinated. Um, but yeah. Like the original, the haunting. I think, I think I was six when my dad put that one on and I, I was like, I was like, I'm not ready for this one. You got to turn this one off. I need another couple of years for this one. I think dead, <laughs> but um, yeah, I've always really, really loved watching horror. I mean, I think, I don't know how I would have survived middle school in rural Texas without Buffy the Vampire Slayer DVDs. It just was really, really important to me. <laughs> um, and I, I think, yeah, I've like, I really love also the practical element of it. Like, like there's a particular uh, throat slitting in Superhost that mm. like getting to be a, a part of the thing that makes the practical effect work is just, and, but also in the scene, like that's just, it's so wonderful to me. I love being covered in blood and dirt <laughs> and you do get a chance to do that a lot in Superhost. Yeah. so <laughs> speaking on on horror just uh, as gen- general generally speaking is there kind of a top three that you have as kind of your tentpole or benchmark horror films for you at this moment Okay, so the Alien franchise means so much to me that like it feels like a different category. It's like like I couldn't call Janelle Monae my favorite pop star. Like she's so much more than that. Yeah. But like I like I guess like yeah, I I will um try to branch out from more than just Alien, but man do I love man do I love those movies. I feel like maybe 1, 2 and 4 would be my top 3. Oh, um, interesting. A lot of people don't pick 4. 
I just, I, yeah, I just did um, the Beck Dell cast and I just, I, I defended Alien Resurrection for like three hours and like my list really came out. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this movie deserves more than 38% Brad. <laughs> what was it about four that really struck you? Yeah. I think it was partially, I was so hurt by three. Um, I think because I, I really like Alien as a sort of, like like sex irrelevant rape metaphor and like not to be like pro rape metaphors but like i think it's a really it's a really emotional it's a really emotionally real one and um then for the stakes to just be like literal rape for all of three and then like i felt so harmed by that and then watching four was just like such a relief and i know joss whedon hates it i know that maybe the world hates joss whedon now i don't care about any of that shit i think the dialogue is wonderful the stakes are so varied in that movie like death is both really scary and also something where like like you take out your brain and you look at it before you die like it's such a wonderful movie and um but yeah i i will say like some of my my early ones are my favorites like i really loved the pit and the pendulum barbara sandwich's face at the end of that movie is just absolutely still haunts me from the iron maiden like i i don't know i was five i was like they're just gonna leave her in there <laughs> What? Um, Rewatching the original monster is incredible, and just knowing that this, uh, the effects are all practical. Like I still love practical blood. You can tell in a movie when it's real blood, and even if it's been digitally enhanced, you can tell if the effect was real. Like I love that. Um, but yeah, I guess there. Uh, oh gosh, what other horror films do I love? So many of them. So many of like I loved Ma more recently. I definitely loved and was inspired, obviously, for this role by Creep. Um, yeah, I like the psychological stuff. I love I love zombie content as well. Like it's I don't know. It just to me really resonates like like the end of the world is going to be the stupidity of humanity and like like too much people. And so like zombie world is really, really appealing to me. Um, the original Night of the Living Dead was um, I did like a play version of it when I was in I got to assistant direct and like we did this thing where we had like ripped up lycra dipped in blood. And so when like a z- the zombies attacked, we would have somebody like slide in the bucket of it so that we were pulling up bloody lycra and it just looked like ripping flesh. It was so gory on the stage. That is so cool. Oh, oh cool. my God. <laughs> well, listen, before nice. we get into Super Jose, I know we don't have a ton of time. God, I wish we could have two hours with you. But just g- <laughs> getting into the, your very first experience on the set of a horror film which i believe would have been fright night right that was actually my first my first set experience it didn't come out in that order but that was okay wow so what what a set experience working with these legends first of all right on this on this kind of retelling of this franchise and how it was set in vegas i thought was genius and peter vincent as kind of that chris angel kind of vampire magician was what a david Tennant performance what a unbelievable yeah now is there something that you could say you picked up from that experience that changed you forever I mean, I, well, first of all, I just had no idea how to be on camera, like to the point that I didn't know that movie was in 3D until the trailer came out. Wow. I'm like, oh, I thought that's, I guess, why there were so many cameras. Right, right. Many cameras to me. (laughs) Like, I, like, I had to, like, I don't know, just like, like marks were really complicated. Um, I guess I definitely, like, it was really fun to watch Tony Collette work. Um, but yeah, I guess like, I don't know, part of the experience for me was I just like, that was my sixth day in Los Angeles when I auditioned for that. And I like 
kind of didn't know and know anything. Um, but I didn't know enough really to even be scared. I was just like, I'm going to try Hollywood before I go major in acting at college. Cause that's a good idea. Right. And I, I, I think I probably only really got the traction I got on that role just because Marty Noxon rewrote that script. And I was like, Oh, I know how to do this dialogue. Like <laughs> grew up on this dialogue. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess like, it, it, I learned how acting on film is sort of different, like like this, the social rules of it. Like there's this thing that happens sometimes where like if there's a blocking problem, like the director is supposed to discover it. You're not supposed to say something about it, which like I like to me coming from the theater. It's like you just go like, hey, there's a blocking problem. <laughs> and like that's the polite thing to do. And if you don't do that, the director will yell at you because you wasted their time. And there's more of a sometimes on sets like you have to feel it out. But sometimes there's like um, actors aren't really supposed to say anything about how the scene is going. You're just supposed to be the moving piece. And then people will figure out if it's not working. The Boo Crew will be right back. Tonight, 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 tonight the world's most horrible combination of the decade. Showing in blood-curdling color. See, a most diabolical story of sacrifices to a non-human creature in Brides of Blood. Starring John Ashley. The second unbelievable terror will scare the pure living yell out of you. When you see Christopher Lee in Blood Fiend. A pre-engagement ring set will be given to the girls who attend. Tonight. It's ashes to ashes, dust to dust. If the brides of blood don't get you, the blood fiend must. So, will we see you tonight? Good. Do you like going to haunted attractions like Universal <laughs> Nods? Okay, so I um I get very scared. Um, I do not do well. I honestly like I loved Comic Con the first time I went, and then The Walking Dead came out, and I was like, I guess I can't go to Comic Con now. Like it's just like <laughs> I, can't do, I can't. I, I accidentally did a zombie. I accidentally did a five k, which is the first thing I did a zombie run. Didn't know I was doing a five k. I don't do five k's, but it was. <laughs> I was absolutely terrifying like i know these are just people dressed up (laughs) san diego people but i am so freaked out i did the haunted hayride once in california and uh the (laughs) wife of one of my friends does sound and she started recording me she's like you have like a wilhelm scream like i'm gonna use like and the problem of going to those things if you're a screamer everyone focuses on you they gang up on you it's horrible no, I, I I have too much suspended disbelief to go to this. Thing. That's so funny. That's great, though. And just before Superhost, real quickly, some kind of hate is fantastic. What you brought to Caitlin was mesmerizing. And she is such most. She's such a layered character. One being she's a former bully herself. And that monologue that you have about the joy you had tearing this girl's life apart is hard to listen to. And. I've never heard that perspective explained in the way that you had to do that before. What did you think of that choice and having to take yourself there? There are a few times making that movie that I turned to Adam. I was like, are people going to like me? <laughs> like, like, are people going to be okay? I survive. Like, is everyone going to be okay about that? And he was like, yeah, I think they'll like you. <laughs> like, okay. Um, 
But no, I mean, like, I didn't want to sugarcoat that character. I was like, like, this is a person who is um, very aware of death and is like, uh, like incredibly morbid and like brave in this really weird and compelling way. But yeah, I didn't. um, There was not an environment where I felt like I needed to be likable. And that's nice. I feel like a lot of things you get asked to do, especially as a female bodied actor, like, like you have to be really likable. And I've definitely had like had to reshoot things because like focus groups thought I was a bitch or whatever. (laughs) Um, And that would like I would love that Adam didn't do any of that. And like we got into like like, no, this person really like she's in love with someone she thinks has carved her ex-boyfriend up and like is okay with that. Like, this is a really fucked up person. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a crazy, crazy journey. It was so fascinating as if you were to be taken on that ride. And thank you for that, by the way. So let's finally get into Superhost. Randomly going to Twitter now. Anytime you look up your name and the movie, it's people saying Gracie Gillum nailed that role. It's worth a watch for Gracie's delightfully insane performance. She turns it up to 11. It's so fun to watch. My fave 2021 horror film is her perform because of her performance. I just got to say, how does that make you feel when the work gets recognized for a character, but especially a character unlike any you've played before? Yeah, no, it's been really wonderful to hear the feedback. Um, And um, I've been trying to like take it in. It's honestly also a relief because I like the stakes for being the third of Brandon's movies, the the first of which are really scary and like have a supernatural scary thing. Like, like I, I felt that pressure when I was shooting the thing. I was like, I was like, I really hope that I'm able to live up to be a Brandon Christensen bad guy, you know? Um, uh, But like, there was a lot of room to play on set and we like, you know, we could tell on set that it was, it was working. And a few times, like Brandon, like pulled me aside and honestly, he's like, he's like, I wrote a really challenging role and like, you're doing more than what I expected. So (laughs) that's really sweet. Thank you. Um, On playing the the psychotic character, Rebecca, is there any character or real life persona that you studied for the role? Okay, so I read a lot of interviews. I in particular try to find interviews with psychopaths who live regular lives. Like I just wanted to get into um, I wanted to understand like the day to day of not having empathy towards people. And then I tried to understand Rebecca's backstory. And then I crafted a social performance that is based more on neurotypical people who are just doing like who are like feel obligated to do that sort of enthusiastic social performance. And like to me, there's something so creepy about it, even when there isn't a lag. But I was like, 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 oh, my God, they're like, ah. it's like, it is kind of really scary when somebody does that to you. But like, what if they do it and they're looking at you for too long because they don't know what you they like is expected of them? It's like that plus like a little bit of like social misunderstanding, I think will be really creepy. <laughs> Now, how much of that was actually on the page and how much of that did you have to inject into the role? Okay, so so much of it was on the page like all like i felt so inspired by reading the script i think there was there's one moment in the interview scene in particular like rebecca mentions south carolina too much for rebecca to not be from south carolina and i was like that means she's a near liar she's not an inventive liar lots of people with her disorder invent really crazy lies but she's just lying by the skin of her teeth she's doing the best she can she is like so like if that is true of this character then like then probably this character has lived a pretty isolated life and so i was just like 
deep reading the script and I think it was all there. But that being said, I definitely, I think, performed it differently than Brandon imagined. There were a few times that I was like, was that good? And he was like, it's not like how I thought it was going to be, but I like it better kind of than what I thought it was going to be. Like the scream in the interview, he imagined when he wrote it, it would be kind of like low guttural growly thing. Um, And I was like, do you, and then after the first take, I was like, do you want me to do that? And he's like, no, 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 do what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) So it was both, it was all in the script and the dialogue is so brilliant. But then like also my interpretation, like the way that I interpreted it was totally allowed on set. What about like that, the pauses during that interview where you were just gone for a few seconds at a time. And it seems like you're going back and, and revisiting, reliving some sort of emotional time, right? That we, we, we might not know a lot of this backstory and specifics of what your th- character is thinking about. But then what you do is you take whatever emotion th- that you're going to and you bring it forth and you start crying and your eyes start welling up and those little kind of secret moments. What is going on in your mind there? Are you thinking about this backstory that you've kind of built in particular for this character? What is the magic of those moments? Yeah, I think that was like the reason she froze and kind of dissociated from like um, the reality to me was like the, you know, she's partially telling the truth about the family that, um, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever know quite how much to say, sure. but <laughs> she's telling the truth a little bit in that that it was a, a time where she was rejected. And I think like she has really unreasonable expectations of how others will care for her. I think probably she had a real one really nurturing parent. And then like that nurturing parent said no one time. And that's probably when they died. But yeah, I, I think that like, like even though Rebecca doesn't feel empathy for others, she feels lonely and like the isolation of her entire life. And then like knowing that her, I think her dad, I think she probably killed her dad. And like knowing that that person is gone, like knowing like, what am I going to do next? Like, like, like I think the reality of her situation, like kind of really hits her when she's lying about it and she's near lying about it. And then she comes to, and then she even like, she's like, Oh shit, I'm lying. I'm going to go. It was the best holiday I ever had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where was this shot? It was so pretty. It was like, uh, so like Vegas and then like, just like straight up for 30 minutes. It's like at the top of this mountain, straight up from Vegas. Like there was no gas stations or grocery stores up there, but like you drive down and you're in Vegas. Some of the lines that you throw out there, like Theodore, darling, come back and things like that. Are those just things off the cuff that you brought to it or was it, was it written? No, that's me and our uh, cinematographer, Clayton Moore, like walking around me, pretending to have the camera, just like us walking through the woods. That's great. Oh, my God. Those moments are great. Speaking of cinematography, this thing is perfectly framed. There is that iconic shot where you're covered in blood, obviously, on the patio. But there's also some amazing shots where your face is matched up completely with the pattern of the frosted glass on the doorway, you know, standing outside the house and things like, like little moments like that that are just amazing. What, how much consideration went into creating those moments? It like, it was such a limited crew, but it was like really thoughtful and careful. Like, you know, it wasn't a lot of people being able to set up lights, but like we were really careful about what it looked like. And it really, it looks like so many more people were making sure that it was going to look good. I think it's so beautifully shot. Yeah. Um, but no, I definitely, it was definitely an off the cuff considering of things, I think. But like, no, it was definitely really careful from Clayton's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Is it harder to let yourself get lost in a character 
from within the dynamics of a small cast of like three or four people in a small crew? Or is there kind of, does that intimacy allow more uninhabited performance? You know, if that makes any sense. No, it was really nice. Like the being on set didn't feel like being on display really. Um, and I feel like really what makes the difference is the actor themselves and the every actor in this movie was so wonderful and brilliant and generous to work with. It was really collaborative and like generous. Yeah. That's uh, speaking of collaboration. Wasn't there a moment I had, I had heard of where you actually had insight into changing the monologue in the woods for your character. What went on there? And it was also like our biggest day on set. It was the only day we had a, an extra hair and makeup person. And I was like, kind of casually, I was like, hey, Brandon, like, I don't know if I would reveal this or if they would follow me if I did reveal this. And he was like, right. And just like went on a little legal pad and like wrote me a new monologue. <laughs> well, Gracie, thank you so much for spending some time with us. It's been an absolute yes. pleasure. And we can't wait to see what you do next. <laughs> That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 295. Special thanks to our guest, Gracie Gillum. Follow her at Gracie Gillum on Instagram. The time of release, Superhost, comes to VOD, digital, DVD, and Blu-ray February 1st. If you haven't managed to catch it yet, it is incredible. You're going to have a blast with it. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's Trev for the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting podcast network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.